Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm a feminist, but when my hot friend asked me how to ask for directions in Danish, we spent hours on teaching him to say, Din røv er virkelig lækker which means you have a really great ass because <laughs> I just wanted to hear him say it. <laughs> He'll be going up to women in the street saying that now, thinking he's asking for directions to the closest bar. I, I didn't think it through. <laughs> you have taught a man to catcall. That is, that, is, that is the worst time a feminist bar I've ever heard. <laughs> Let me just quickly send a text. <laughs> so I'm doing ones from listeners. I'm a feminist, but I bought my girlfriend sexy lingerie for Christmas, which is really a present for myself, because I like to see her in it and wear it when she's out. That's great. That's great. Santa baby. Go on. Something, something, something for me. Being an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. I can, I can, I can totally, I can totally pull that off in a sort of in a kind of little red ninety. That's a real guilty feminist, though, isn't it? That song. Is it? Yeah. She's also like, oh, cutesy, 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 cute. Please give me material things in exchange for sex. I'll probably suck you off. Oh, 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 I know Santa's not real. I'm talking to my sugar daddy, married to Donald Trump. I'll say my love. He makes me do this, I don't want to, but it's part of the deal, and otherwise he'll divorce me. Do do, do do, do do, do do. Like when it comes to Christmas songs, never listen to the lyrics. Anyways, I'm nervous about this next one because it's so true. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I was going to wear my Black Lives Matter t-shirt tonight, but all my skirts didn't make me look good. 
so I haven't worn it. I still believe in it, though. And I'll cut it off, like I'll cut like this thing off and put it on a, on a dress instead, because I'm not just not a t-shirt person. And I feel like, isn't that the real horror? last bit will have to be edited out. Everything up until then, everything up until then was endearing. But that last bit, I cannot guarantee people are going to see the irony. By the way, you can buy our t-shirts, which make you look amazing in the foyer. And also phone covers. I'm a feminist, but recently I pretended not to be. So a man could explain feminism to me. Because like, I could see he loved to be the expert and I wanted to sleep with him. We've all been there. All right, all right. People, anyone? No, we've never been there, no. I don't recognize that at all, what a horrible human being. I'm a feminist, but when an audience member came up to me after one of my tour shows and said, I'm really sorry, I know this isn't feminist, but I just couldn't stop noticing how pretty you were. I said, well, fuck feminism, tell me more. <laughs> and they did. We had a nice long chat. <laughs> my hair and my height. <laughs> this is another one from a listener. I'm a feminist, but the other night I had a dream that I was being spanked by Justin Trudeau in the Fifty Shades of Grey Red Room. <laughs> it's definitely from a listener. from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Show presents The Guilty Feminist with Sophie Hagen and Deborah Francis White and tonight's special guest, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, talking about judgment. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I meant to say it with a question mark at the end. <laughs> which undermine them? <laughs> Can I dedicate this to, uh, we got a, a listener message. Yeah. It's my favorite listener message in the world, and I can't do it justice, but I'll try and read it. I'm 13 years old. I listen to your feminist podcast. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's 13. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm writing to tell you of something that happened to me at school. One of my friends, who's a male, we know the ones, got his pen, licked it, and put it down his pants so it touched the end of his dick, then wiped it across my mouth and stuff. So I got my pen and put it down my knickers so it touched the top of my peach emoji. <laughs> wiped it across his mouth. Now here's the interesting bit. Everyone around me thought the boy was a legend and thought it was funny, but they said I was disgusting and like, ew, gross. But don't that say a lot? You know how it was different. Just because I'm a girl, she's my fucking hero. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? She fucking stuck like a pen down her peach. <laughs> and I'm not like condoning violence or like, but he fucking had it coming yeah. that's like the best listener response i've ever had well, what, yeah, but really also, what sums I, up 
sexism in one really horrible story. <laughs> really horrible story. But I just love that he he did not see it coming. <laughs> he had yeah. not expected her he to thought, go, well, give me that well, pen. Well, he was doing it as a violent act to humiliate her and yeah. to make her feel dehumanized through a sexual act, a yeah. violent sexual act. And he didn't think she'd go, well, then yeah. is this what we're doing? Is this how we do it? Okay, fine. <laughs> it's what we do. I love it so much. I love it so mm. much. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so we're now talking about judgment. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was your judgment challenge, Soph? So I uh, looked, looked within and I tried to find out who I judged. And I think that would have been a different challenge before we started doing this podcast. I think I, I learned a lot from doing this and I'm in a different place. Anyways, so uh, the people I judge the most are people who are right winged. And I, I know we are all like, yeah, but they deserve it. And they do, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's not room. There was a lot of talk after the Trump thing about uh, white people being like, oh, I'm not going to go home to, for Thanksgiving because my family voted Trump and fuck, fuck everyone. And I don't want to talk to those people. And I've done it myself. Like, we've discussed like whenever you talk to trolls online and I've been like, no, nah, fuck them, I'm just going to block them. But after this whole Trump <laughs> nightmare, I realized that we shouldn't do that. Like I read some articles and what we need to do is talk to those people, which is awful that we have to do that. <laughs> uh, I had to go and see my grandfather and he, because uh, my dad wasn't there when I grew up, he was like the patriarch. He was the man in my life. And my grandfather is an awful, 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 awful human being. Uh, he's not related to me, he was my uh, grandmother's second husband. So fortunately he doesn't have kids. Uh, everything will die with him and that is a good thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, if you're going like, no, oh, that's the sound of people who have lovely grandparents. Congratulations. So yeah, he is a horrible human being and he is very right wing. And uh, a few weeks before that, I wanted to get a nose piercing. And the first thing that popped into my head when I wanted to get a nose piercing was, oh, I look like a cow. And that's not something I usually say to myself. And then I remembered, oh, that's because growing up, every time my grandfather would see a woman with a nose piercing, he would point at her and say, she looks like a cow. I told her he was a bad person. So that was in my head. So what I did was I got the nose piercing and I went to visit him and I had the debate. I sat him down and I talked to him and tried to change his mind because God forbid he might live another four years, he gets to vote again. And uh, he, no, he's, he's a really awful person, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not being mean, I'm, I'm being very nice uh, about him. And sitting down with someone who's been emotionally abusive, who's taught you to hate yourself because of your gender, who has actively hated other women in front of you and people of color and like every person who isn't him is hated and taught me as a child to hate. To sit in front of him with a nose piercing that I know he fucking hates and having to look at him and have the discussion and saying, explain to me why you feel this way about other people and then trying to calmly change his mind. And people like that, you can, I mean, it takes so much, but it takes nothing compared to what good it would do if we all went home and did that to our racist grandparents. And I think I really had to get over myself and get over all of my like, just white tears and like all that bullshit of like, nah, fuck that guy and just sit in front of him. I don't have a nose piercing in right now because I tore it out when I was asleep two weeks later and it hurt like a <laughs> fucking motherfucker. <laughs> so it's not there anymore, but he got to see it and I got to, um, so he ended up saying after I'd like the most calm I've ever been, uh, I was like pinching myself because I just I wanted to scream in his face. And eventually I, I don't even remember what I said. It was like a four hour conversation. And at the end he was like, yeah, 
yeah, no, that, that's that's fair enough. And uh, and he started kind of talking himself out of it because it couldn't be because of me, could it? He was like, yeah, I just had this thought that maybe the right wing isn't good. I was like, oh, really? That sounds like what I've just been saying before. I was, this is a weird one. So he ended up being like, since that uh, pretty woman left the Danish right wing party and, uh, you know, I've started seeing that uh, the pretty woman from the left wing and uh, you know what? Uh, she doesn't look like she's going to have kids anytime soon. So, you know, what? I do think she's a better alternative. And I was like, I'll take that. That's OK. <laughs> OK, <laughs> I'll, let's just go with that. Then that's as good as I can do it this time around. But it was fucking difficult. As a piece of inclusion, not all grandparents are racist. <laughs> plenty of people have non-racist grandparents. And also grandparents are getting yeah, younger now. <laughs> So no, no, not all grandparents are racist. And, and basically the whole civil rights movement now of the age of grandparents. So there's a lot of grandparents who are much more activated than we are. Please welcome to the stage, Sophie Hagen. Okay. I, this is not even, I don't even know if this qualifies as stand-up. It's just some good news. Because uh, the world's on fire and we're all gonna die. Uh, that wasn't the good news, but that was just a fact. Uh, I have a friend, she's my best friend, she's been my best friend for eight years. Right? You know what it's like with a kind of friendship? It's hard to get them out of your life. And, I love her, I love her, she's great, she's amazing. And she's, so she's not a homophobe. No. But, but she'll say things like, I could just never, ever be a lesbian. Because vaginas are disgusting. Like, every time I just look at a vagina, I'm like, oh, like, oh, like, it's just so disgusting. Like, I couldn't even touch. Like, vaginas are just so gross. They're like, ew, ew, vaginas. Like, uh, whereas I love dick. Mmm, dick, 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 dick. Nom, 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 dick, dick, dick. Dick all over my mouth. Dick, dick all over my body. Dick, 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 dick. are lovely. They're beautiful. Whereas vaginas, like, ew. Like, I hate vaginas, vaginas are so disgusting. Whereas, dick, I like, mmm, nom, 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 nom. Love a dick, love a dick everywhere. Love, love, love myself a dick, love myself. Anyway, she's gay now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the best thing in the whole world. She met a woman, they fell in love, now they're a couple. Oh, doesn't that give you hope? <laughs> Is that the best thing? And she remembers nothing. <laughs> She's like, this man at work today, he was such a homophobe. Really? <laughs> How did that feel? She's like, well, I taught him a thing or two about queer theory. No. Who taught you about queer theory? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right, me, for eight years. And I'm just sharing it with you, because she doesn't want me to talk about it. <laughs> and all I want, it's itching in my fingers. All I want is just to call her up all the time and be like, how's that vagina? Num, 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 num. <laughs> How does it feel now, bitch? Uh, anyways, <laughs> that was just some good news, and I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, have a good, good night. Yeah. Can I do my challenge? Okay, so my challenge was to clock how many times in a day I judged myself. So do you remember that Lynx advert where the guy clicks a clicker every time a beautiful woman uh, smiles at him? Well, now he's wearing Lynx. Do you remember that? He's like carries a clicker. So I carried a clicker for every time I acknowledged judging myself. Wow. And I judge myself about every three minutes. 
I mean, it's really frightening. And I feel like I'm a confident, happy, optimistic person who likes myself. That's the thing is I don't feel like I judge myself. I think, so I'll, I'll talk you through, I wrote some of them down. I'll talk you through some of my judgments just in a sort of average hour. I judge myself for not making a phone call to ask for a meeting which could help me develop my career like a man would. And then I judged myself for making that call and seeming too pushy. Then I judged myself for judging myself for worrying about being too pushy because a man wouldn't do that. I judged myself for running late for the hairdressers. I judged myself for the dark circles under my eyes in the hairdresser's mirror. I judged myself for judging myself because I'm supposed to be a feminist. Why do I care about dark circles? I judged myself for judging myself for judging myself. Surely I'm meant to be a guilty feminist. Why can't I give myself a break? Why do I have to beat myself up all the time? I judge myself for not writing this list of judgments till this afternoon. Why do I always leave things to the last minute? I judge myself for being badly prepared. I judge myself now because the writing of this is very untidy. So I challenged myself to not judge myself for the five minute cab ride between the hairdresser and yin yoga. And the first thing that came into my head was that I had the previous evening eaten three quarters of a pint of haagen on my own just because I was home alone watching The Crown. And it was left over in my freezer from a dinner party. I was not hormonal. I've given up sugar. There was no reason to eat it. I wasn't particularly craving it. I just knew it was there and no one would see me. So I ate three quarters of a pint of cookies and cream haagen Then I got a message from a friend on my phone during the cab ride asking me to meet for a drink before Christmas and I couldn't do any of the time she was free. So I felt bad, I felt like a bad friend and I judged myself. And then I judged myself because I messaged her back when I was trying to be mindful, why was I on my phone? <laughs> that was the five minutes I tried not to judge myself. They were just some of the judgments I made in that time. And I realized, I just thought this is not good because what's this doing to my psyche? And I just didn't know. So I'm now going to try, I don't know what kind of aversion therapy that I can use, but I'm going to try to judge myself less because I don't think this can be doing me any good. Every time you judge yourself, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> a very male, uh, old white man angel gets his wings. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of companies make a lot of money. Uh, you tell yourself a good thing. Like, you know, I'm going to yoga. This is fucking amazing. Oh, no. I'm doing I, I, I also judge myself for getting worked up before yoga. Like, I was like, you're meant to arrive at yoga in a calm state. And I was <laughs> no, even okay. on time. I was early for yoga. And I gave myself right. a brownie point for that. Sure. <laughs> By the way, you left a quarter of a... <laughs> What are you? Are you a monster? <laughs> no, but like, I did. You know, I, I you... stopped. I, I went, come on now. Like, you know, but I hadn't had dinner. That doesn't make it better. That makes it worse. Sure. <laughs> it makes but... it, I, it's just a, it's about like you're in a dialogue or you're in a monologue, I guess. It's just telling yourself the good things back. Like, and we all forget that. I forget that all the time. But when I have periods of times where like days at a time where I go like, oh, you're doing really well. You got out of bed today and you weren't gonna because you had anxiety all day and you got out of bed and you showered. That fucking well done. You wouldn't have been able to do that six years ago. You had some sugar. Well done on not giving a shit about this and that. Or, uh, you know, you took a cab. Good, because you knew that the walk would have fucking made you sad. Uh, like, all of the good things. Like, just keep yeah, saying no, good no, things. Yeah, no, no, I do. I also think I'm awesome. Like, no, no, <laughs> I, I tell myself awesome stuff all the time. And I, and I genuinely walk around feeling pretty happy with myself and pretty happy with my life. And, like, I'm doing great things. And I'm very, you know, I'm proud of my achievements. I really appreciate 
good things. Like I really long-term appreciate good things. Like at the moment I'm renovating my flat. I'm going to have more space. I will appreciate it every day. I'm choosing wallpaper. I'm going to look at that wallpaper every day and love it. I'm such an appreciator of my life. This is what I think though. If I, as a confident person who feels happy with my life, judge myself every three minutes, I don't think it can be that uncommon. I don't think I'm the only one. I think we just don't notice it. And actually having a little clicker makes you go, what the fuck? And I'm going to get rid of it because I really don't, I think it's a destructive voice. And it made me feel a bit like crying that I judged myself so regularly. I need to give myself a break more, clearly. (laughs) Welcome to the stage, it's Deborah Francis White. We say to each other, no one's judging you. When we know that's not true. Like, at that very moment, we are judging them. But I think we judge ourselves far more and far more intensely and far more often than we ever judge anyone else. We really are our own worst critics. Well, I used to think I was my own worst critic, and then I went to the Edinburgh Festival and (laughs) discovered I was a fucking amateur. Um, But I think on the judgment front, we do, we do. Like, I feel like... If you had a friend who was like the inside of your own head, you'd be in a thriller (laughs) with a really evil, undermining best friend. If you came home and said to your best friend slash flatmate, so I got got asked asked to do a big presentation for all the senior partners at work next week. (sighs) Bit nervous. And your friend went, you? been asked what to speak in front of other people is there any way you can get out of it why why do you think I can't should I should I get out of it I I think you should you're just not good at things like that what if you get nervous and you forget what you're meant to say and your PowerPoint slides don't work You don't improvise well, do you? Maybe you should ask, what's that guy about Jeff? He's good at presentations, isn't he? Maybe he should do it. Who? Who? Jeff, the one you always tell me he's so good. He's so much better than you at presentations. Why don't you ask Jeff to do it? I think he'd be better than you. He'd never forget what he had to say. He's so dynamic and charismatic. Not like you. <laughs> yeah, but my boss is like really, she's like really encouraging me to go up for a, a new role. And I know if I do the presentation, it'll be really good exposure. So I think I should probably do the presentation. A new role. <laughs> what kind of new role? <laughs> It's just sort of like, it's just, you know, it's sort of next level. It would be more money and more responsibility. But I mean, it would be a challenge. It would be a stretch. How many of the skills would you say right now you had (laughs) that were appropriate for a new role? Because it doesn't seem to me like you can do this role. (laughs) It feels to me like you're an imposter. (laughs) Would you like a gin and tonic? I'm having one. Maybe you should have a gin and tonic to settle your nerves. Because you have got nerves about all of this, haven't you? In a very real way. Well, I, 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 um, I don't know if, I, um, if I've got time for a drink, so I'm going on a 
Tinder date with uh, that guy. That guy I met last week. He was he was he was uh, we on the Tinder date with uh, yeah. And he's asked me out again. Has he? <laughs> yeah. Or did you ask him? <laughs> Maybe we'll just scroll back through those texts. Have you been reading my texts? <laughs> just saw them when they were out on the counter the other day. Seemed a lot like you'd said, we should do this again. Do you think he would have asked you out if you hadn't said, we should do this again? Seems like you've just offered sex on a plate there. <laughs> That's what he thinks he's going to get. But the reality is, every relationship you've ever had has ended. <laughs> every one. Not one of your boyfriends is here now in this kitchen because not one of them wants to be with you. And that pattern's gonna go on again and again and again and again because you and I both know, fundamentally, you are unlovable. You are broken. You are two-dimensional. You are bad in bed. And you are as much an imposter in your last relationship with Dave as you are in the boardroom on Monday morning. And you're not fooling me. You're not fooling anyone. You won't change, and you can't change. The last relationship broke up, and so will this one. I can change it, I can change it. I've given up smoking, I've given up smoking. Have you? <laughs> and that's my head. <laughs> that's everyone's head, that's everyone's yeah. head. That I got that when people laughed. Yeah, <laughs> that, it's true. That, that's how you know in stand-up if you're if you're weird or not. I just I love doing new material. I've never done that before. That's what doing stand-up is. When you put an observation yeah. out of your head in front of an audience, they go, "No, that is just you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on that one, they laughed, and so I was that's like, really "Yeah, good. this is not just my head." Yeah, I'll, you, I'll, it's I'll, new material. Yeah, brand new. Wow. Yeah, I, I, just, I just. I was like, which of her old shows has she stolen this from? No, 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 no. I, but them? I. Sorry, are you the fucking Sorry. voice in my head? <laughs> Did you write that? But did that you? Sentence. Did you steal it from somebody else? What I meant else? was, did you write that today? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to say today. <laughs> you will know her from such wonderful shows as Broadchurch. But you will also know her, and if you don't, immediately go to iPlayer and get to know her from the incredible show on the BBC Fleabag. Please welcome Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. I put my glasses on to be more official. Looking over your glasses can make you look judgy, doesn't it? So I sort of, if I look out into the audience like now, yeah. and I go, I'm getting hmm. like a week on a weekly basis. I get three emails from men asking me if my glasses are real. <laughs> is that weird? Like only men. Do like, you think that's not... something about sexy? You know, the librarian who takes her glasses well, off and checks them. They're fighting their urges. There's no way three men a week are wondering about the realness of your glasses for non-sexual purposes. <laughs> I do not You're believe right. that. people who listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, or see Sophie do stand up, I guess. Yeah. They look at a picture of her in the paper or something and they're like, Well, you need to know, Phoebe, people just look at pictures of me all the time. Uh, <laughs> you need to understand how big this issue is. Uh, there are posters being made. But anyway, do you have weird stalkers? Um, ever <laughs> no, unfortunately not. You no. must have mad fans sometimes. No, no, I'm hoping for at least one to pop up eventually. I yeah. really think we should edit that out of the podcast because I'm actually going to get more than a bug. No, um, no. Just you had, no, you must have had letters. Shouted at the street. What do um, they shout? Do they shout? Yeah, Fleabag! Fleabag! Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, TV! <laughs> And yeah, things a lot, a lot like that, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Do you ever? Do they ever say, "Are you that girl?" Um, <laughs> no. That's what my friend used to get when she had a TV show. Are you that girl? <laughs> Are you that girl? Yeah. And she go, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of these when people walk past me and they go, "Oh, do we? Do we?" I'm, uh, you don't binging. remember my name, do you? And I'm like, no, I've never met you before. <laughs> they've um, been binging, and then you see, you see the person. That's awful, though. If you've been binging a TV show, and then you see the person in the street, you do feel you know them. And it yeah, isn't yeah. your fault when you go up to them. <laughs> As it wasn't my, my fault that time I went up to Julia Sawala, thinking that we were friends, and we'd met at a friend's party. And we hadn't. We, I'd seen her on the television. Repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, I was doing a play with Olivia Coleman a couple of years ago, and there was one day I came out, and just a whole bunch of people thought I was Olivia Coleman, so I just signed these <laughs> things on the things. I just couldn't get away from them, so I just signed these love letters to them, <laughs> saying that I could, was so touched that they came, leaving a phone number. Anyway, this has nothing to do with feminism. Um, judgment. You don't have to talk about Fleabag all night, by any means. Um, but one of the interesting things in, about Fleabag is how it's almost all about a woman who is somehow above judgment, in a way. She just says, fuck it, I'm doing it. And when she looks at the camera, she's basically saying almost, I know you're judging me and I don't really care, but she is the biggest judge of herself. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, well, I, uh, I had worked out halfway through writing it that the camera was the pressure, was the witness, and that she had put the pressure on herself in the in the camera watching her that she has to put on this front. So even though she's like, oh, fuck, I don't give a shit, I can do what I want, that's actually her coping mechanism from feeling like she's being watched all the time, which a lot of women do say they feel like they've just constantly got eyes on them judging every movement or piece of clothing or whatever they make. So that was kind of the thing, and, that, and the relationship between her and the camera is the relationship with her and the... And the idea of being judged. But even though the camera's not necessarily judging her, she thinks it is. So that's why she's constantly having to be sort of like, give a shit. And then <laughs> crying by her eyes out when they look away. I, I think it's a really good mechanism because I think the, the, the idea of now, especially because we have cameras on ourselves so much, I sometimes think the only thing that George Orwell did not correctly predict is we would queue up for the cameras. That we pay for the cameras yeah. and we then literally people like film themselves pouring ice over their heads like room 101 scenarios it's absolutely extraordinary um, but we're constantly posing and sort of creating imagery of ourselves that we hope is beyond judgment or we hope will be received well and actually even as I'm saying this I'm realizing like the whole of Facebook is let me put out something that you will judge well it's literally a button to there's the like button yeah which is past Yes, yes, judge, you, yes, I, well. yes, we judge, I judge that well. And if something doesn't get likes or doesn't get retweets, maybe people judged it as wanting. 
or also sometimes I sort of think, will people judge me? Because I put up a lot of stuff because my family's, I've got biological family in New Zealand and, and family family in Australia and, and a lot of friends all over the world. So I put up a lot of my like photos if I go on a trip. And sometimes I think people must get annoyed that my Facebook feed is like, oh, I'm in Las Vegas. And they must be why, like, oh, fuck you. What, <laughs> why are you putting them up? Well, because, for example, my birth mother only met me four years ago. So she hasn't had any of my life. And so I think it's really nice for her and my sisters to just see where I'm at. Because when I meet up with them, which is a couple of times a year, we know the fabric of each other's life. So we're not going, what have you done in the last six months? We're going, oh, my God, the dog is so sweet. Oh, my God, yeah, tell me more about Vegas. Like, we're, that's Does what we're doing. Does it not feel that you've got this kind of strange mixed-in audience in amongst that private conversation between you and your family across the world who are people yes. that you kind of have met going, oh, it's never having a conversation with her birth mother about, well, you know, we're the not, pictures and we're, Yeah, we're not talking about it. On, no, but on I mean, like, visual conversations, or that's what, yeah. she, that's what you're talking about. So you don't feel like there, there could be a way of doing it outside of that with you your family. You have to upload, email <laughs> into individuals. I'm never doing that. Maybe I should just have a fake Facebook page that's only for a well, nearest I, I wonder, because I, I, I was saying the same thing about Facebook and about how I felt very... You came off Facebook, Yeah, judged and chased by it, just kind of this whole kind of stress I don't understand I was just Facebook stress I couldn't just describe it better than Facebook stress and then um, I just went off it and then this Facebook stress went away I got a bit of like oh no who am I now <laughs> um, because I sort of knew who I was before because I could say like oh I'm that person in that photo and this is my status update and um, I wasn't that anal about it but it did it was a weird feeling and I do miss out on some things that people have organized that I don't get invited to because <laughs> I'm on Facebook and they think I'm a dick because I just didn't turn up to their really special thing and I'm like well I have I'm not on Facebook and everyone's like mm. for, for all those reasons as well and I do um, have like WhatsApp groups with on my phone for like friends who I want to share photos for I'm just adding this is turning into a bit of advice about maybe yeah, going yeah, no, no, but it's, it's, I feel like Facebook could be kind of like a way of uh, for us to control all the judgment. Like Instagram, for example, is a good, like selfies in itself is like a way, like gives us uh, a way of controlling that judgment. What imagery we put out there. Yeah, like what we put out there, how it looks, how we want it to be. So it's almost like, so it's not really the Big Brother thing, because the scary thing about Big Brother is that we're being watched, and we never know why or when or how or by whom, where now it's like, these people can see this, I can control who sees it, when they see it, I can put, t take it away again. Uh, it's kind of like our little space. To of, invent ourselves, yeah. Yeah, to control the, like, how people see us. In, aren't we doing that in life, like, every day? <laughs> anyway, you know, when I think about being at school, I remember how stressful it was going to school just with even with a uniform with the detail of your uniform and how much that would reflect on you now kids at school having that and then also having their online profile oh, living God. outside of it but you can you're doubly judged so yeah. it's not as and you have not to, and you have to put time into the creation of your online self which is a very different thing can you ever just close their eyes just say mm, if you're on facebook mm, if you're not uh, so say, mm, if when on Facebook, you sometimes feel the pressure of judgment. Uh, just say, mm, if you don't. Oh, more people don't feel the pressure of judgment. Say, mm, if you feel like you're judged more on your online profile than you are in life. Just say, mm, if you judge more in life. Wow. Mm. 
Okay. I've had the reverse experience uh, from the majority. <laughs> yeah, that's no, no, interesting. No, 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 yeah, no, I can align myself with that as well. Do you think we can get it right now? Do you think we can? Like, I feel like it's so complicated, it's so complicated. being a woman. And there's a whole physical element and layer and also now a pressure to be feminist as well mm. and a pressure to get that right. But then I can feel how I think about skin and hair and body way more now than I obviously did when I was like 24, 25. But I'm working very closely, the person that I write with and, and work together with very closely, we met each other like 10 years ago or something. And I actually know we did not talk about that then. And now we find ourselves two hours deep into a conversation about four headlines. And we're like, we literally could have written a play. We could have done something amazing by now. And we're like, and we consider ourselves quite productive as well, but we do get lost in that bullshit and it does feel we have to shake ourselves and be like what is it that's making us do this i have one mm -hmm. friend just one friend because most of the time i really try and live my kind of feminist values about not going on about that or talking about it or engaging with it and i have one friend like once a month we meet up and we just let it all out yeah, about we just kind of go yeah i'm feeling like i'm starting to look really old around here like do you yeah, think i look old around here do you know, so go, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and i just she like, charged by the hour <laughs> <laughs> Sophie's looking at me horrified because Sophie no. would never do this because she is a better feminist than I am. No, I think I just because I'm not as close to being conventionally attractive as you are. Because you no 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 don't no you know what I mean like because I'm fat and that's quite a big thing of what's being hated. So I've really had to fight it. But because it was so connected to like depression and eating disorders and anxiety and all of that, I had to like full on therapy for five years like kill it. So for me, if I started to go. Is that a line, or is that a spot, or is that a whatever? Then the whole the whole castle would crumble, and I would just be right back into I hate everything about myself all the time. I can't leave my house. So I think I'm not judging you. <laughs> speaking of the two, I'm, it's not, I'm not going. Oh, I can't believe because I totally get it. I've been doing that times a thousand through my whole teenage years. I think I'm just being a bit not smart, but like grateful that I'm not doing it because mm. it sounds. So painful and so tight. Like, like you say, we could have we could have written like a million plays. Like, if all if everyone mm -hmm. would stop, like stop judging themselves, several and... trilogies of books, <laughs> long books. I could have probably yeah. written Game of Thrones in the time I've spent. <laughs> we could have like the books and the and the TV shows. We could have er eradicated poverty and, and, and hunger, but with all the money we spend on... I'm just not that clever. I'm much closer to being able to write Game of Thrones than I am with to With all the money that we spend on... free version of Game of Thrones. Facial not. creams and Botox and shampoos yeah. and makeup and like all those money, all that time that goes into this illusion that we have to look a certain way could be so productive in another thing. And that's mm. why they're making us... Focus on that, so we don't focus on, yeah, on all the things us. that are making their yeah. money. It is bizarre that we feel that women need to look young all the time. We really do. I will look at a man who looks his age, and that will seem right and normal and natural, and he will be either sexy to me or not sexy to me, attractive to me or not attractive to me, but it will be nothing to do with his age. I mean, when people get incredibly elderly, that's a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> but... You know, if someone's in a bath chair and they, they have to be winched out of bed by a nurse, that is different. But up until that point, men, it feels like, yeah, they can just look their age and no one minds. But there's a certain age oh. as well when you start, like, a woman can just say her age and the first comment someone can make, thinking they're being nice, is, you don't look that age at all. And I just wonder what, what age that begins at, because I didn't get that, like, 24, 25, they're like, sure, 26, sure, 27. Oh, you're 27? 
28, you're not 29, probably around 30 actually. You look like you're in your 20s. <laughs> it's like I didn't ask for that compliment. I'm a bit weird now. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, what's wrong with looking 31? I've looked 31 for years. <laughs> We should have some questions. Some in the front row over here. Um, I was thinking about decision making. So, um, how do you find making decisions? Because I think social media is terrible for this. And I've got a really good set of friends from, you know, from school up till more recent. And we're really good. Every time we see each other, we'll sit down and go, oh, I'm really stressed. Like, um, yeah, they've got engaged. Uh, they're having a baby. Uh, they've got a new job. Um, I'm okay though, aren't I? Like, what I'm doing is fine. Um, and we reassure each other. And that's quite a nice network to have. But I was just wondering, Obviously, um, you know, being off social media, do you find that helps you to just make a decision and, and stick to it and go, that's for me, that's what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm so pleased you have that amazing network of people. Um, <laughs> they sound awesome. <laughs> um, can she join one of your can, WhatsApp groups? Yes, can I come? Can I come? Um, I do. Uh, affirmation WhatsApp groups. I, I um, feel bad I'm not in any of your WhatsApp groups now. Can I have? Can I be in one? Can we start yes, one? Yes, Just you and me? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Just, just me and my family. You're more than welcome. No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'll change my name to Deborah Wallabridge if that's what it takes Please, to get in your WhatsApp group. No, I'm absolutely terrible at making decisions. I find it really hard just to work out what to put on in the morning, even if I'm not going out anywhere. I'm just like, what does it mean? Um, but, yeah. So no, that, I'm completely crippled by indecision and I think probably made slightly better without the pressure of uh, social media. But I probably need some help. <laughs> it's funny because I'm writing character at the moment and that's her basic flaw, that she is crippled by indecision. And we kind of saw it as a a quite a light-hearted thing at the beginning. And actually, I'm thinking, no, the deeper we go with this character, the more female she becomes for me as well, and the more relatable she can be, because it's like skipping through a minefield. You just don't know which is the wrong decision or the right decision, even when there isn't meant to be one, like what colour jumper you were. Mm. But it yeah. feels like there's always going to be a wrong decision. Indecision is basically self-judgment. It's storytelling indecision. It's, I tell this story, if I go over here, this will happen. If I tell go over here, this will happen. And it's sort of judging those outcomes. So I think sometimes it's good to, to do a thing for a good reason and then understand you can't control the outcome. And that's a big thing for me. One of my friends who's a theatre practitioner putting on Facebook, like going into a theatre process knowing you can't control the outcome. My life is always better when I try to be in that state of you don't have to control the outcome. But we also have, like, on Facebook, and then people will be really... Because people can just share a thought, even though it's the worst thought in the world. So someone will suddenly write on Facebook, oh, red jumpers are, like, the worst thing in the world is worse than Hitler. And then you go, <laughs> I thought red jumpers were okay. And then it gets a thousand likes from all of their ridiculous friends. And then it has no, like, it has no anything. And then your red jumper will be on a BuzzFeed list of worst jumpers in the universe, and you're just... <laughs> I didn't even know that was a problem. And, <laughs> and that's what your you friends get. have been quietly going, oh, yeah. every time you've been wearing a red jumper. Or it's like the only thousand people in the world who thinks that are like a stupid journalist from BuzzFeed. And you, you just, you get sucked into this, oh, is that wrong now? And when you have, you know, I know we have mutual friends who do that, who put that up on Facebook and you go, oh, there's another thing that I didn't know was unpopular. And then it takes a lot of strength to go, no, I do think I'm right, even though a thousand people were, like, liked it and said he was right about this. You have to go, no, 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 but I know, I know red jumpers are fine. <laughs> like, I know there's, there's nothing objectively wrong with red, right? No, there isn't. 
We've then... got to come off social media, gang. Let's just all do it tonight. It's just ridiculous. It's funny how the conversation about judgment, though, has honed in. Yeah, so it's really interesting. It. Um, and, the, and yet these guys said they don't feel as judged on it. No, yeah, uh, no, interesting. <laughs> but I don't know if we idea. know how judged we feel. Like, I, until I did that challenge, I had no idea I was judging myself so frequently. Uh, do you have anything? Where can people find you? Where can people see what you are doing? No, just my house. <laughs> uh, follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at GuiltyFemPod. Check out our Instagram uh, at The Guilty Feminist. Like our Facebook page, The Guilty Feminist. Sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And go to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. Or as and many stars no, as you five think star, five it's star, worth. Five or five or four or three I no don't give it four or three I'm not, I won't suggest that I give it five what are you wow. doing what are you doing <laughs> right right I feel like I turned you around though I'm like no, I felt like going no no three no give it three no no, no don't <laughs> give it up for Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, my best mate always says to me um, if you spoke to your friends like you spoke to yourself you wouldn't have any friends Nice. No, I mean, not specifically about me, but this is a nice saying that I'm not used to say. <laughs> but it's a good one for judging. Oh, also, sign up for the Guilty Feminist Leadership event. It's a corporate event, and it'll be amazing. Like, not corporate, but like a leadership, wow. a business, career, career. <laughs> Shit, it's not going to be good, is it? It's like leadership. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist with me, Sophie Hagen, Kevin Francis White, and our special guest, Peter Waller-Bridge. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music was by Mark Hutch. The producer was Tom Sinitsky for the Spontaneadership. Thanks to Zoe, Meda, Lauren, and everyone at King Space, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I've never done either of those. And the first lot of new material that I did in the first episode, Tove, they just didn't laugh at the top. <laughs> and I went, and I said to them, it's basically like I've come to the edge of the stage and gone, guys, catch me, and jumped. And they've just gone, <laughs> and I've gone. Hello, Guilty Feminists. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for all your support over the last year. Now, many of you have expressed a desire to get involved, to make some of these challenges real and alive, especially along the lines of career development, not apologising, stepping into the space. So we have some workshops. Now, these are just the start. We're just testing the waters here in London, and then hopefully we'll be able to bring them around the country and even even wider internationally. The first two will be on the 22nd and 23rd of April. Jessica Regan, who's an actor who was in the Genderblind Henry V, and I are going to do a workshop on big speeches, uh, male speeches from Shakespeare, speeches from history, taking the space and owning it. You can book for those workshops on guiltyfeminist.com. The price will be £50 for a day workshop, but there will be £10 places for those who cannot afford the £50. And please chip in a little bit more for another feminist to join the workshop if you can afford more. We want these to be accessible to everyone and intersectional. Um, we also have more of a corporate leadership day. Many of you know that I go into the corporate world and work with women on taking up the space. So there's going to be a very big leadership event uh, with me speaking and other brilliant people that you can work with, uh, a special Guilty Feminist episode uh, on negotiation 
negotiations uh, with Suzanne Williams, who is uh, well known for negotiating with people who have hostages for the government uh, and for other organizations. And that is going to be an incredible special leadership day. Hopefully you can get your company to sponsor you to come on that if you are in the corporate world. That day will be £195, but again, there'll be £10 places. Please chip in more if you can or pay if you can. If you can't, please write in and you can go on our list for a £10 place. Details of all these things are on guiltyfeminist.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.